Hi, this is Tina Black, and this is the B-Series Podcast. Today, we'll be exploring untold stories of transformation and leadership. We hope you'll subscribe and check out the B-Books and send us your stories of transformation after listening. Okay, what an incredible morning already that I've had with Tracy Stonecheck, who I get to interview today, which we've been trying, we've been going back and forth for a little while, and you referred to me by a very dear friend of mine, Paula DiSabato, and so I just want to thank her first and foremost for connecting us, because I'm obsessed with what you're doing and what you stand for, Tracy, and I cannot wait to unpack everything for our listeners, so thank you, thank you, thank you for being on the podcast today. Oh, thank you for having me. I've been looking forward to this, um, honestly, for uh, since the day you emailed me. And you're right, we have a, a dear mutual friend who she couldn't wait to tell me about this a leader who she said she is a, a mentor to me and someone that you need to get to know. And I trust Paula. We've been friends. Uh, if I tell you how old I am, um, <laughs> then that gives away like one of my secrets. But since we were one, we met when we were one. And so anyway, Paula is a dear friend uh-huh. and uh, she says wonderful things. So I'm ready to just learn more from you as well. She's just as excited about this as I am. In fact, she emailed me this morning and she said, make sure you talk to her about this and ask her about this because I asked her yesterday. I said, is there anything that I should for sure ask her? So I'll throw in a couple things here. But I'll tell you, one of the things that she mentioned is she said that where you are now was very unconventional. So I love, I, I want to hear that story and we're going to unpack that a little bit. But first and foremost, I want to introduce you to Stacy uh, Tracy Stonecheck, who um, is a leader, a pastor, a communicator. She's a champion for families. And what I'm most excited about is the fact that you're the director of children's ministry at North Point Ministry Church, which is Andy Stanley Church, who I'm obsessed with his especially his leadership information that he has. And I'm being a John Maxwell coach. I know the two of them are very close friends and they share a lot in common. I think that's really, really cool. And you've been 21 years on staff with North Point Ministries. So that is so exciting. But what I love is that you mentor women with families and careers And you say it's not impossible to be great at both. And that has been my heart ever since I've been in business, of course. And I've been in business for 25 years. And of course, I have two children and I'm married. So let's talk a little bit how you got into that that realm and where you got that thought process. First of all, tell me about your family. So how long you've been married, your kids, all that whole story as well. Well, I'm married. um you know, my high school sweetheart, his name is Denver. Um, We met in high school in Pittsburgh and um, we've been married 33 years. And so, uh, uh, you know, that's a long time. Yes, (laughs) um, You know, having a a family and a career, it's work, but Denver and I have always worked at our marriage. Um, And we have three, they're grown children. Um, Our oldest Shannon is 28. Uh, and then we have two boys, our uh, middle child, his name is Denver as well. So it gets a little weird when I talk about the Denvers. Um, Denver <laughs> is uh, about to be 24 and he's about to get married. Um, 
And then my youngest, uh, I call him Nikki, but you know, he was in middle school and he sat us down and had a meeting and said, don't call me Nikki anymore. I'm Nick Stonecheck. So everyone calls him Nick, but he will forever be my Nikki. And he's 20 and he is um, a sophomore in college up in Pennsylvania. So uh, my family, they're everything. They're my world. And, uh, you know, I think for me, trying to figure out how can I be, you know, the best mom and wife and daughter and friend um, I could possibly be, but still being who God made me to be. And that is um, a leader as well. And so that was something that, you know, I had to figure out. um, And I'll tell you in a few minutes, the story, what I call my pivotal circumstance of when I just had to, I had to figure out what were the things I needed to say no to. Um, and some of those things were just a no for now. And what were the things that I needed to really um, prioritize so that I could do it all or both? Yeah, that's incredible. I love that. I love the fact that you said, what should I say no to? In fact, my devotion today was actually on cleaning house um, mentally and spiritually and physically too, right? And so thinking about those areas of what should I only be taking care of today? What can I delegate? You know, what can I give away? And, you know, I think this is, this is a struggle for women because and especially right now, even this new generation, my, my daughter is a mom, she's got two little children, and we're business partners. And she's really struggling with this and trying to figure out, like, where does God want me? Where does he need me? So can you give advice, to, especially to the younger generation, the new moms of this, of this world, and let them know how to know exactly what they should be doing with their time, like you said, the priorities? Yeah. Well, you know, I think I always, you know, and, and like a lot of the young moms that that I talk to or mentor, I tell them all the time, I had to learn the hard way myself, but we don't all have to hit the wall and crash and burn. You know, my, my number one thing I always say to any uh, young mom to really anyone is get a mentor, find someone who's a few seasons of life ahead of you that, you know, they've done it. And someone that you trust, that you know, they're going to give you um, good advice on really how to be a mom, a wife, a leader, they're going to call you out on the hard things. I still remember the mentor that I had, her name's Pam Wall. And Pam was I would meet with her every other week, we would have a coffee meeting, I never canceled that meeting, it was important. And she would ask me the hard questions. Um, She was the one that always pointed me um, really to my heavenly father. And, but she would ask me the things that, um, she knew the answer to, but she would allow me to get to the the solution. And, um, so I, I would say, get a mentor. Like there are a lot of things I would tell, um, you know, a young mom to say no to, but one, get a mentor, get someone in your life that is going to call you out, talk to you a few seasons ahead. That's the first thing. Um, <clears throat> Because for me, I was in a season as a young mom. I'll never forget this. I, my husband traveled a lot. Um, we were in a new city. We just moved to Atlanta. weren't here for maybe eight months. Um, and I was just trying to find friends. I'm an extrovert. I like people. I just started working here at North Point Ministries. And, you know, my kids were young. They were nine, four, and one at the time. And 
I said yes to everything. And I said yes, because it wasn't because I was afraid to say no, trust me, I I'll say no, if I don't want to do something, but I just, I love to be a part of things and busy. And part of that was, I felt like my identity was in saying yes to all these things and it made me feel important, but that didn't work out for me. Um, <clears throat> I, I had this one uh, day that honestly, this, this 24 hour period kind of changed my life. Are you okay? If I kind of go into. Yeah, please tell the story. Yes. So, excuse me, I, um, husband out of town, I get the kids up, we go about our day, put one on the bus, two to school. And then, um, on the way home, the boys are in the backseat of my minivan and the Nikki, the youngest, he's cranky. He's just having a really off day. Um, and so I had an off day too. We get home and we did our little routine. And part of that routine was we had the snack. I would take Shannon, my daughter to gymnastics. And the boys knew and Shannon knew that that was our night that we ate out. Um, normally it was chicken nuggets, mac and cheese, whatever was fast. Um, you know, some of the things that I'm not going to ever beat myself up over. They were fed. Um, was it the best dinner? Probably not, but they were fed. And um, so anyway, they were all excited because they knew that we would go to this little fast food restaurant where they um, would eat in the car in their pajamas, the boys. And uh, on the way home from dropping Shannon off at gymnastics, I got a flat tire. Well, husband's out of town. Um, I call a, a neighbor. He came, put the little donut tire on my minivan, but that just backed everything up. So when we went home, I, you know, they didn't get to go to that little fast food restaurant that they had wanted. I ended up just cooking mac and cheese, all the things, and they were grumpy. Um, and then I picked my daughter up after a gymnastics and she gets in the car and she didn't see her cheesy fries and her slush. And so she's mad. So she was giving me every bit of that nine-year-old girl attitude and I just wasn't having it. So I snapped at her because I just had a hard day. I was on the side of the road with a flat tire, you know, all the things. <clears throat> so I get home, she was mad and I just put everyone to bed, including myself. And I remember in the bed, it's like, you know, whatever, eight 30 kitchen, a mess, all the things. And I just felt really, really bad about myself. The words that came out of my mouth, I wasn't, I wasn't kind or patient or loving things don't always go your way. Um, and that day they didn't go mine, but it wasn't their fault. Uh, it wasn't their fault that I had a rough day. Um, so anyway, put us all to bed at two in the morning. I wake up because my, the, <clears throat> I hear my one-year-old, excuse me, <clears throat> on the baby monitor crying. And when I went in to get him, um, he was having a hard time breathing. He was struggling breathing and all that. So I called the online nurse and she was like, I hear him wheezing, bring him to the hospital two in the morning. I will also tell you, I'm not a role follower. Mm -hmm. Um, I knew it was important, but I also didn't know what I was going to do. I had two kids sleeping. I didn't have that person in my life that you pick up the phone at two in the morning to come stay with your kids. So I just held him all night long. I prayed. And, um, I waited till it was a decent hour to call the next door neighbor to sit with the other two. And I get in the car and I realize I have a donut on my tire. I was supposed to go to the hospital 
uh, in Atlanta. They had been waiting since two in the morning for me. Of course, I never show up. Atlanta traffic is really, it's busy. It's crazy. I get on the highway and I thought, I'm never making it. He's in the back seat and car seat crying. Uh, so I pull off to um, a little local hospital. I'm a mom of three kids. I'd been there twice in the eight months, you know? So I, I, I show up there and this is where my life changed. Um, I walk in and the receptionist at you know front desk lady, she was like, Hey, uh, he needs a breathing treatment, but I need to tell you something. She said, we have a high school student coming in and cardiac arrest. Um, it's going to be a while and we'll get to you sit in the waiting room. I was like, Hey, that's totally fine. So I sit down and, um, I watch the ambulance pull up. I watched the doctors, nurses, and their scrubs meet this uh, paramedic team with this young boy and they're working on him. They take him in the back. I'm sitting in the family room. Um, and then a few minutes later, this boy's parents come in and they're, you know, distraught. They say their name at the front desk and the same woman says, have a seat. And uh, they sit right across from me and my young son. Uh, the waiting room was under construction. There were a handful of chairs. Well, Nikki, my son who was sick, he keeps getting down in his little feety pajamas and going over to them. And I'm like, I'm so sorry. I pick them up and they're like, very sweet. You know, it's okay. He did it three times. And finally, um, the mom took my hand and she said, uh, he's okay. And I was like, I, I'm just so sorry. And she said, uh, listen, don't miss a thing. She said, uh, they grow up fast. And she said, my son, he's in the back right now fighting for his life. And she said, but his cereal bowl is still on the counter. Don't ever take them for granted. Mm. And in that moment, I'm sorry, I get choked up. Um, I asked her if I could pray for them. And I did. And uh, a few minutes later, they took her and her husband in the back and the waiting room filled with their pastor and uh, their friends and the football team, all that. <clears throat> and my son started breathing. He was fine. And I went to the front desk and said, hey, my pediatrician is open. I'm leaving. Um, that relationship with that family, we ended up uh, meeting after and uh, their son wow. didn't make it. Wow. But I felt like God put me there for a reason. I was in a season of, I was surviving everything. I was surviving being a parent and a wife and um, working, but I wasn't thriving mm. and what really, really mattered. And I decided right then and there that I was going to, um, I was going to figure this out because what I was trying to do was a little bit of everything. And I needed to decide what mattered the most to me. What was the most important? And I needed to have a plan. I needed to have a plan. And so uh, that was a turning point in my life where I didn't have to be everybody's room mom. Um, and I had to figure out why I thought I needed to say yes to everything. Again, I think it was my own insecurities. I think I was feeling like I, um, I was a bad mom if I didn't say yes to being everyone's room mom or coaching soccer, but I had to realize that how I loved them and spoke to them and listened to them being available to my three children and my husband. Well, that's all I was responsible for. Um, and, and then that helped me to prioritize being a leader. Um, so that, 
season of life was big for me. And I say it all the time to, you know, young moms, like you're saying no to some things now, um, whether it's some social things, those are all still important, figure it out, put them in, sprinkle them in throughout your routine. But there will come a time in a day where I'm an empty nester now and I'm having the time of my life. Um, you know, I socially, my husband and I, we're trying different things. We're in a, a cornhole league. I'm always last place, but I'm having fun. And, you know, I, I lead, we lead a couple's, uh, they're all in kind of a similar season of life uh, as Denver and I are. And we lead a Bible study group, but we're real social. Um, so we'll go out to dinner a lot or, you know, take trips together. So I think sometimes I know it's a no for now, but not forever. Right. Oh man. Okay. Yeah. That story. Incredible. I felt, I felt like I was right there, you know, with you, with that mom and, and wow. And the fact that she said, don't miss a thing, you know, don't miss a thing. And that's so huge. I I'm going to call this be thriving because as you're continuing on, whether it doesn't matter if you're a male or a female or, or what's going on in your life, figuring out how can I thrive and not just survive. And if we really look at the statistics of most people, most people are just surviving, they're getting by and they're doing so many things that they probably shouldn't be doing. Right. And every time I talk to a leader, they always tell me the thing I struggle with the most is priority management. And I love what you said. I put step one was what matters the most to me. And I was also thinking, not only what matters the most to me, but what matters the most to God. That's right. And so really sitting down. So every morning I have to sit down and say, okay, Lord, where, where do you want me today? What's the most important thing right now? And so can you talk a little bit about that? Talk to that, that young mom, talk to that, you know, young leader right now, you know, how should they start their day? How do they, how can they plan this out? Because you can't just leave it for chance. You've got to intentionally plan this out to thrive. Well, you're right. And honestly, this is something I had to work really, really hard at doing because I am not a planner. I'm very spontaneous and, yeah. uh, you know, just go from the hip. Well, that didn't work out for me. It won't, in the end, you're going to hit a wall. And that's what I was doing. Um, so one of the things that I think is having a routine, it's like, we know young children, a routine, it, it's their happy place. Like they may act like they don't want it. And teenagers may rebel against it, but we all want it. We all want to know what's next. Even the spontaneous people that are wired the way I am. Um, and it, it just, it, it removes chaos, not only in your own life, but in the people's lives around you. So, um, I believe in starting my day in my, I call it my prayer chair, or I just cannot hit the ground running. Like, especially with young children, I know getting up early is hard, but having the morning to yourself to do whatever it is, um, have a plan about dinner, uh, maybe start a load of laundry. But most of all, I started with my heavenly father. I sit there, um, I read a little bit of my Bible. Sometimes I just pray. Sometimes I listen to worship music. Sometimes it's just five minutes. That's how I start my day. I have a plan, but I also will say I end my day where, um, I, I look at the calendar for the next day. I, I look at it every Sunday. I look at it for the whole week. I try to be prepared 
And then for me, this is my system. It is my phone. My daughter makes fun of me. I treat my phone Siri as if it's, she's my personal assistant. Wow. I put in reminders all day long because I need them. I need a plan. But I think when you start your day off and you're in a, in a posture of what am I thankful? What am I grat? You know, uh, my gratitude is I write my list of all the things. I just want to start and say thank you to God for um, one of my uh, dear friends and pastor, Jeff Henderson, challenged us, uh, I think it was about two years ago. He was like, you know, in the car, I'm always on the phone. I talk to my best friend, Paula, every morning on my commute, but I always try to end and give myself at least five minutes in the car before I step out. And I will just name and thank God for that one thing of the day that I'm grateful for. I like to start my day off in uh, a good headspace of, I have a lot of things to be grateful for, because then I'm going to step into whether it's parenting or leadership, and you're going to have challenges during the day. So why don't you start yourself off in the right frame of mind, get your heart right. Yeah, that's, that's priority right there. That's incredible. I love that you talked about Jeff Henderson. He's now a part of the John Maxwell team. So I got to hear him speak last week in Orlando and, and he's incredible. I've taken some of his courses and, and he's known for what do you want to be known for? And I know that this is basically what we're talking about right now. What do you want to be for? What are you for? And so let's kind of talk about that because I want to go back to, you know, it's not impossible to do, to be great at both, but how does a mom know whether or not they should do both first and foremost? Yeah. Well, and, and here's the thing, you know, my, I say all the time to, uh, you know, I lead a lot of women. Um, and I, I tell them like, you know, it's not for everyone and it's okay, but neither is staying at home, you know? So I think you just really, you have to listen to yourself. God will give you that nudge of, you know, is this your season? And sometimes it might, again, it could be a season like stepping away. I stepped away for two years when mine were little. And here's how I knew it wasn't for me to just stay home. Like I, there was something missing in my life. I felt like I, I was called to come and work with children and, and, uh, and families. I didn't feel a hundred percent complete. I loved my family. I love staying home, but that didn't mean I was a bad mom. I think it's get rid of the guilt. And, you know, and there are some men who choose to stay home. And you know what? I think it's if if that's what you feel that God is placing on your heart and that's his plan and path for you, well, then you go after it. Um, and I just think that when you can discover what a blessing of um, what God's plan and purpose for your life is, well, that's a good place to be. Not your plan and your timing, but his. And, you know, that just takes a lot of, I think, um, be in the quiet space, mm-hmm. pray, where do you find peace? Um, and then I think if you, you know, for, I say this to the moms, cause it's usually moms. It's always moms that I personally talk to who want to come sit across from me and talk to me about how difficult it is. Um, I, I always say, find a boss, work for an organization that they encourage you to be a great leader 
I love that you're saying to discover God's purpose and plan for your life. Like that's imperative. And I think most people just don't take that time to do that again. You know, they're just like going through life and just attacking life as it comes instead of planning, planning, planning. And I, I love, love, love that you were talking about routine. It removes chaos. Like that is huge. Right. But in order to establish that routine, routine, first and foremost, you've got to say, okay, God, what is your plan and purpose for my life? If I look back when, when my kids were little, we had these moms groups and I was the only one that was working outside the home. And so it was really, really hard for me to really connect with the women. And I noticed it's kind of a shift right now. A lot of the women are staying home now, which like you said, if that's God's purpose for your life, do that, but you've got to know, you have to know. And so I kind of, kind of separated myself out from these moms at that time, because I knew I was like, this is my ministry. This business is my ministry. And I just know God's calling me to this. And little did I know that later my daughter would be working side by side with me. Who, who would have thought, you know? And so it's just amazing and, and it worked out and it's just incredible. But yeah, I had, I had that guilt because I was around some of the moms or, or even family members, well-meaning family members, like you're too busy. Like you shouldn't be doing this. Like you should be living your life like me. Instead of saying, let me pray for you that God would lead you. Like you got to be careful about those next level mentors that they, that they're not having an agenda of live like me. Right. So can you talk a little bit about that? Cause I really want to drill down with this. I feel like, I feel like moms that are listening, young moms listening to this are really struggling and they need to know what to do. Yeah. I mean, I think again, I, it just always goes back to, um, make sure that it's uh, God's plan for your life and not your plan, because you're always going to be better off when it's his plan and his timing. And, and I think as women, um, I think we're doing a better job. I think we can need to just continue to improve on this though. We need to be champions for other women. Like we just do. Um, we need to encourage each other and cheer each other on. I work with some of the I think brightest, sharpest leaders, female leaders on the planet here at North Point Ministries. And, you know, one of the things that I love is we're the first to challenge each other, but we're also the first that are going to pray for each other. So find your group, find your tribe, um, find people who are like you, but find people who are in your corner um, because that's going to make a difference. They can relate to you, right? Don't we all want to talk to someone who has been through or going through something that they understand, you know, for me taking advice from someone who's never sat in my seat. Well, right. that's not really going to work. I need to know, Hey, I did it, or this is how you can do better. Or let's read this book together, or here's a podcast. I think you should listen to, or just knowing that, Hey, I have something big coming up. Um, and I know who my people are, who are going to be praying for me through it. Uh, that yeah. makes the difference. I don't think, you know, God didn't create us to go through life alone. He created us and designed us for community. Find your community, find your people who are like-minded and that they're going to cheer you on. Um, and that's the difference maker right there. It's when you know that there are, uh, people who, like I said, they've gone before you, 
um, sometimes they're in it. Like some of my best friends, they're, uh, we're peers and we, we have, uh, same responsibilities with leadership, different departments. And, you know, they're my people. They know the pressures. Um, but most of the time when we meet uh, for coffee um, or go to dinner or lunch, we're really talking about our families. And one thing I, you know, I wanted to, to say to you that I challenge when I am leading uh, women is, listen, we're all trying to build that resume. But the most important thing I want you to think about building is your legacy. And I always encourage them. I want you to think about, um, you know, that day when our life here on earth is coming to an end and, you know, what are people going to remember you about? And so I know you listened to our pastor, Andy Stanley, and something that he, he said this, oh gosh, I think it's been eight years ago now. And it, it was another big moment in my life as a, as a um, mom and wife, but most of all as a leader. And he asked the question, what breaks your heart? And, um, and I thought, if you don't know what breaks your heart, um, you really, you got to do some uh, getting on your knees, praying, figure that out. And then what are you going to do about it? And so, you know, for me, it's always about what is my legacy? How do I want to be remembered and known and, um, when, when my family, my children, um, listen, I always say, I want you to grow up and even be a better parent than I am, but I want them to, uh, when I write what I want as my legacy, I want them to know that I was, I was present. I listened and I loved, and it's that unconditional love that I want them to always, uh, when they think about me or even my husband, I want them to know that they're not perfect. I'm not perfect, but, um, Together, our family is as perfect as you can be with all of our dysfunction, that um, we are loved by our Heavenly Father. And at the end of the day, um, the unconditional love that is shown to us, I'd like to show to them. And as a family, you know, we've gone through some hard stuff, but we can get through it together because we work. We work at being a family. So. Yeah, that's so powerful. And, and I love the fact that you're saying what's going to be your legacy. You know, I just, I just lost my mom, my both my parents just passed away in the past couple of years. And it really has been defining moments for me of thinking, okay, what is my mom and dad? What are they known for? Well, what do I want to be known for? You know, what am I leaving behind? What are people going to remember me for? And so it's just, it's been really making me think right about this. And, and the fact that you said, find people who are in your corner, that's huge because there's no way that I would be where I am today or doing what I'm doing right now, living what I feel is my legacy piece if it wasn't for the prayer warriors. And I told my daughter from the very beginning, I said, you've got to find people in your corner, people that can pray for you. Cause I had like this moms in touch group. And so they, her and some women at their church started a group to just pray for one another. And, and so it's like a play group for the kids. And then they pray for one another. And it's just, it's been huge for her because I still remember the exact moms. I still keep in touch with them that prayed for my kids. Yes. And it's, it's everything like prayer warriors, find your prayer warriors for you. People that are in your corner praying for you, not, not like crit criticizing you, 
critiquing is okay and giving feedback. And I, I want to talk about that too, because you also, you said you um, have found people in your life that are honest with you yes. too. And I think that's important. I want to jump into that as well too. But before we do that, one of the things I keep hearing, and you probably do too, from young moms, because we have a lot of uh, young people working in our companies and they're all starting to get pregnant and they're all having children and is how do they get rid of that guilt? And I think I know some of the answer because, you know, it's part of your calling, but also what advice do you give women, especially moms that are really feeling guilty about not being home with their kids and going to work? Yeah. I mean, that, that is big for a lot, but I think that's just where I always say you're the hardest person on yourself. Like you really are. And it has to start and stop with them. They have to decide. And, and I think, again, it's just part of, are you being obedient to what God wants you to do? And if, if you're, if you're working, um, sometimes you have to, they need to help provide for their families and they have to stop looking at it as I'm not with them and start looking at it as they're in the best place. They're, you know, they vetted their childcare provider, all that, or if they're in school, they're in school. But I think it just comes to when you are with them, be present, make that matter. That's what I talked about in my story earlier. I was so like coming home and running around. And then I got to the place where, no, you know what? There are some things that can wait, whether it was projects or you know, I love my house to be neat. In fact, I was on the phone with my best friend this morning and I just told her, like, I, I like every pillow on the couch to be perfect, but there comes a, a point when you're in a season of life that what's more important sitting and playing toys on the floor with your three-year-old or fluffing the pillows on your couch. There are things that you just have to let go of what really matters, what is most important. And so, you know, I would say to them, those couple hours after work and before bed, make them matter, have conversations at night, sweetest time after they get out of the bath and you're tucking them in the bed, talk to them about their day, pray with them, do that routine that matters. And then before you go to bed, that's your time to do whatever it is that makes, you know, you feel better, fluff your pillows or do a little project, spend time with your spouse if you have one, all those things. But I think the guilt, it starts with them. Um, and I think they are the ones that make them feel bad. But I also think it's if they can get to that place where, you know what, I spend a lot of time with them and they're in a good place. Know that they're in a good place. It's also good for them too to socialize have uh, friends at school, they're learning and doing great things there as well. So sometimes there are people that you can talk to them, pray with them, recommend a mentor, and they still feel guilty. And I say, well, you probably need to stay home. You right. Know? Like, that's right. the only thing like you're a season, maybe yeah. you need to just stay home or work from home or do something different. But, you know, yeah. most people, it's like, I, you know, and I, and I, I like to say, I mean, mine, all three, they, they grew up. I've worked since they were all, you know, babies born and they're all fine. You know, they're fine. But I think it's what you do with the time when you're home, make that count. 
Yeah. Make it count. I love that you said that. And, you know, and it's like figuring out, you know, okay, let, well, let's budget. So maybe a clean house is very important to you. And you're like, man, it's driving me crazy to not have a clean house. And I remember that was what was happening to us when in the younger days. And so we're like, okay, well, let's budget some of our money so that we can have someone come in three days a week. And I know a lot of couples now they have nannies and they're bringing in people full time to be able to help out. And if you can afford that, that's incredible, right? We had people travel with us on vacations so we could actually enjoy ourselves (laughs) with the children and also have date nights, right? That's incredible. Cause I love that you said, you know, family first, but let's talk about that because I know for me, you know, I watched a lot of different moms put their kids first before their husband. And so for me, it's, you know, God first husband and then kids. And I think my kids got to see that model. You know, we've been married 35 years as well. We're in the same boat as you, same season. Of course, I'm a grandma now, which is incredible, by the way, it's the greatest thing in the world. Um, So can you talk about that? You know, the married um, yeah. woman and being, you know, being careful of because what advice do you give to your moms for that? Honestly, I feel like this is the thing that I say over, over and over again, because I have to, because, um, you mm. just see it. And, you know, I feel like naturally it just feels right that you give them all your time and attention because, you know, when they're younger, we're really keeping them alive, our children. Um, but, what I see happening, and it is sad, if you don't prioritize your relationship with your spouse, it's going to be hard when the kids grow up. And, um, yeah. you know, one thing when I do mentor you know, these younger um, moms and give advice, I say you put a standing date night. And yeah. for Denver and I, our standing date night, we would do twice a month, every other Friday night, we had a babysitter for a couple hours. And I always had the babysitter come right when it was like bedtime, we'd put them in the bed, whatever. And we would sometimes our date night was we'd go to dinner, but sometimes it was, then we'd go to the grocery store together. We did, we were together, just the two of us, no children. Um, and I will tell you, we're now reaping the benefits of that work. It doesn't seem like work dating your spouse, But when everything is about, I got to get this one to wrestling practice and she needs to go to cheerleading and, oh, I need the cupcakes for the birthday party. When that's everything you're talking about, but when we would get together and we would have a plan for our marriage, for our children, I'll tell you when they're young, you better get on the same page about our values, what we believe Denver and I, on these date nights, we would play the, what it, what are we going to do when game? Yeah. So we were on the same page when we would get that phone call or they would ask to do something. We already knew because we tried to talk about every scenario, but uh, the biggest thing was we're empty nesters now and we love being together because we have a relationship. We built a relationship. We worked on a relationship that didn't always revolve around the three kids. We know who each other are. I'm not staring across the table going, what do I talk to Denver about now that my kids are grown? We have a lot to talk about. In fact, he says, I never stop talking. Um, But at the end of the day, I think, yes, I start the day off with God, prioritize being married to Denver, knowing what's going on in his world, um, just really praying with him and praying for him. 
Um, I love that you said your kids have seen that modeled because honestly, um, that's what we want. I want them to see that, um, God came first in my life. They laugh at, they call it my prayer chair. Cause that's what I call it. They know that when, um, something is hard, the first thing I'm going to do is say, let's just pray together. They know that, um, Denver means the world to me. And, um, I say to Denver all the time, um, I love that our three kids see that I am like your princess. Like that's how he treats me. Um, he's always put me first and I love that for my daughter, but now I have my son. I told you he's getting married in May and I see that he puts his fiance Ashley first and that's how it, you know, it should be like, um, but he saw, he saw his dad do that. So Um, yeah, I think date your spouse, put everything needs to have, you need a plan, put it on the calendar. I had a babysitter and babysitters getting a great babysitter that is going to, you know, show up and love your kids. Um, I paid her even if I didn't use her. So she knew every other Friday she was getting paid by us. And she would call me sometimes and say, um, so-and-so called and asked if, you know, I was, you know, busy on Friday. I always came first. I paid her even if I didn't use her because those two Fridays a month, um, that they were important. Yeah. It's everything. Yeah. I love this so much. This, and I, it goes back to the plan, 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 because routine removes chaos and it's just, it's everything in your life. And this is huge. I do want to go back to what we were talking about you know, we we're talking about finding people that are in your corner, but also people that will tell you when you suck. I always say, you know, because you can't have those yes people that are always on your side too. You have to have those, you know, and being in community is, is, is everything. And if I look back in my husband's marriage, the best thing that we ever did, we were always been in a Bible study. We've led marriage Bible studies, but we've also been in a Bible study all the time. So we always have mentors mentoring us. And I love our Bible study uh, coaches right now. They're incredible. And we kind of work side by side as co-leaders with them and, and do different things with them doing marriage retreats and things like that. But it's been everything for us because they call us out too. So can you talk about that, the importance of that? And how do you, um, how do you do that? Like, what does that look like in your life? Yeah. Um, you know, early on in my career, um, my boss, Kendra, she's been my boss. Uh, goodness. I've worked for her most of the time I've been here at North point ministries. And I remember one time I spoke and I love to communicate. It comes naturally to me, I think. Um, and I spoke at a very big event here at the church, um, you know, a couple hundred people and, you know, I thought, I thought it went great. And at the end, she said something to me that again, was part of the plan. This was my season of growth. I mean, I think we're always growing though. I say, as long as God put air in your lungs, you should always be learning and growing. But this was like a really massive time of really discovering, um, who God was making me to be. Um, and after I spoke, she said to me, Hey, you were really good, like great job. And she said, but imagine if you actually prepared and spent time on that talk. And, and she just, I mean, she was accurate. I, I, I looked at the notes, I wrote the talk and then I just went up there and did it because I was, 
at the time, you know, it was very comfortable with the content and being up there. And um, ever since that day, because I respected her and I trusted her, she, you know, she was someone that honestly, um, I love to learn from, I looked up to, um, and, you know, part of it is you have to be open. You have to be open to feedback. People are going to give it to you. Um, but if you're not willing, um, to hear it and do something about it, well, then you better do some work on yourself, but I heard it. And to this day, I've been doing this, you know, 21 years in children's ministry. I know a lot of these trainings that I do but I will never step foot on a stage without putting the time and effort into the communication. And I do the same thing, you know, for every meeting I go to, I want to be prepared because that shows that I value the people that I lead by showing up prepared on time um, and being present. And so, you know, those were just some leadership things that I, I learned. And I love that I have, uh, a couple women in my life that um, even when it's hard, they're able to say, Hey, I felt like you maybe had an agenda in that meeting and I, I need them in my life, but, and I know they need me in theirs. So I look at, you know, when I do one-on-ones with my directors and my team, I always want to encourage them and tell them, you know, all the things that they're doing well, cause there are a lot, but I feel like it's my responsibility as their leader and their sister in Christ to give them the hard thing, that last little, whether it's a 5% or a 10% that can make them be the best they possibly can be. Because I think it's my responsibility. If I was put into a seat of, um, you know, I was asked to be a leader. I said yes to it. And part of it is you don't just get to say the good things, but sometimes it's when you meet someone and you tell them approaches everything, right? You know, I just have to come out and I'm pretty direct, but I do it in a way um, because they know that I care about them. They know that I'm cheering them on. I want them to be a better leader than I am. That's how I know I succeeded when I can replace myself Um, and, and I feel like right now in this moment, if I left tomorrow, there were probably three, four people that could step in and, you know, this is hard, but I don't think we'd skip a beat. And I think that's what we should do as leaders. Who are we raising up? Who are we investing in? And, um, that's my heart. It's to raise up leaders who are better, more creative than I am, um, you know, better than I am. So that's, that's kind of what. I think um, my job is here bigger than leading the children's, you know, department that I run. It's what leaders am I developing and getting ready uh, for this next generation? Yeah, it's, this is everything. And, and I think a lot of people that are in business or working in a place like yourself, they don't think about this. They don't think about multiplying leaders. They're just doing all the work. They're the chief everything officers, you know? And so that's so healthy and huge. And I, I love that you're saying your, our responsibility is to help others thrive. So to thrive yourself, you've got to help others, right? Give and it shall be given to you. And so I I want to talk about this for a second because a lot of people get really offended by being critiqued or getting feedback. And 
and they just, they hate being criticized, so to speak, right? So how have you, and what advice do you give to work through that offense when you are being, getting feedback or being critiqued? Well, I mean, goodness, I think, you know, definitely have bumped into that over the years, but I think uh, most of the people that I work with, we want feedback. I work for an organization where we are debriefing and, you know, we talk about value and make it better and not just make our environments better, but make ourselves better. And so I think it starts at the top, if I could be honest. So we're always evaluating and debriefing, but it's why I think starting with why, what is it? stake, you know? Uh, so I always try to cast a vision of why I love to lean in and ask questions, you know, before I come in and say, Hey, that video wasn't great. Or the way you taught that Bible story, it just didn't hit before I do any of that. I love to start with questions. Tell me a little bit more about why you chose this or that, um, give them an opportunity to be heard. I love it when they can try to get to that place of, Hey, you're right. I should have prepared better, or that wasn't my best work. I like to try to help them to get there first, but to really, to answer your question, if someone is defensive and not open to feedback, I'm going to call them out on it, but there's also really not a place on my team for that. You know, I think for me, it's, we all can do um, a little bit better. We all can work harder. Um, not in all things. There are times we hit it out of the park, but I think when we think about we're a church and whether you're at a church or an insurance agency or whatever, we should do our best work. And, you know, I, that's what I want. I want people who want to show up and do their best work. They want to continuously, you know, grow and learn and, um, be open to feedback. Those are the next leaders that they're the people that are going to get, I think, noticed and recognized and opportunities. And so that's what I would tell someone, you know, that, listen, I'm not telling you this because I, it's not about me beating you up or thinking that I'm better. It's because I believe in you and I want what's best for you, for the environment, for your team. Um, And so it's really a posture, but I think the bigger thing is what is wrong? What's, what's going on in your own heart that you're not open to receive feedback. So I do, I start my, I do one-on-ones with all of my directors, my teams, and, you know, I'll start, um, you know, I'll, always with, how are you doing? I get to know them. I have a good relationship with them. I think when you have trust and you know, someone personally and relationally, they know that you want what's best for them. And so it's easier to give someone feedback when they know your heart and they know that it's, it's good. Um, so, and then I think approaches everything, you know, I probably, I give them all the feedback, but I choose my words a little carefully because some people are more sensitive and then are others that you sit across from and they're like, just give it to me. Oh, right. And I'm like, Hey, we'll get there. Let's just start with a lot of wonderful things happened when, you know, I was at their church or whatever. So, um, I think the most thing, most important thing is that, um, as a leader that we, we give it and that we also let people know, Hey, you were real defensive there. What, what's going on with you that you don't, uh, you're not open to what you're, I'm about to say, or what I said. 
Yeah, 1000%. It's huge. And I love that you're saying that it's part, it's basically part of your culture. It's part of your routine. It's part of the posture that you've set up and, and we can set that right up in our homes, right? And because leadership starts at home. And so this is how we do things. This is how we do life. We, we uh, evaluate one another, but you have to, as a leader, also be evaluated by your team. And I noticed I build that safety when I first have them evaluate me because they're like, oh, wow. And then they want it. They want it for, for them. Uh, one of the best ways that we've done is, is the self-evaluations to build that trust, to build the safety. Let's let them self-evaluate, kind of see where they're at. And that way we have something to build on. You know, this, you said this, so let's go ahead and work on this with some tiny shifts that you can make, right? Because we all know we can't be better overnight, you know, through it. Um, so as we work on um, being, uh, the be thriving, what did we miss? What steps did we miss to make sure that we're thriving and what God has called us to do? You know, I think again, I, I'm probably, I, I think I work in one of the greatest organizations on the whole planet. I really do with, with um, leadership. And I think for all of us, that there are so many resources available for us as um, whether it's for our personal life or leadership. And what's something that you just said is something I was honestly going to say, a lot of what we learn in leadership is the same uh, content and stuff that we need to know and should know in our personal life. They kind of cross yeah. over a little bit. And so, you know, I think it's, again, have a plan. Um, what are you reading? What are you listening to? Who are you learning from? Yeah. I think those are all important. I, you know, for me, it's, I work at church. So you would think that I'm in church. I'm not, I'm working on Sunday. So right. for me, um, I make sure when I'm driving home on a Sunday after church, I listen to the message because spiritually, I want to make sure that there's not a void there. I don't want to think I heard it all. I know I, I want to constantly be listening and growing spiritually. That's super important to me. That's what people are going to notice. I want them to notice about me that, um, Hey, there's something about her. I want them to ask me about my, my church, about my faith. Um, and then leadership, uh, and then staying relevant, you know, I'm in my fifties and I don't ever want to be, uh, one, I don't want to ever have the posture of I've been doing this longer than you. So I'm right. right. Like that's right. dangerous. You know, yeah. I want th this up and coming. I have a 28 year old daughter who I love to talk leadership with. I love to hear what her generation thinks about everything, worldviews, all that. So constantly learn, not just from people in my season, but the new people, which again, I get to do that with, I have a 24 year old and a 28 year old who they're, you know, it, Shannon's been in, you know, the workforce for several years now, learn from them, but don't think because I've been doing it way longer than you that I'm right. Or I know all the answers. The yeah. world is, um, it has changed. It's changing. And I also think we have to know the right terms. Um, but we also, you know, we need to be willing to change too. If I'm going to be stubborn and stuck in my ways, then I'm not going to be a leader that's worth following. And so keep right. learning, keep growing, be relevant technology. I didn't know how to turn off my iMessage just a few minutes ago. And that's just something that's funny, but keep learning, growing, take 
take a class, uh, learn from someone who is an expert and does something that's different from you. Yeah, so good. Love what you're saying and stay relevant. That's how you thrive. Stay relevant, right? Be in the game of investing in yourself. And, and you said something that I want to start to end this out, but you said something investing in yourself personally and professionally, but also spiritually. I think that spiritual component is something that a lot of people miss. I know I missed it up until, you know, my probably forties, you know, maybe even early fifties, I was not really investing in myself spiritually. And ever since I did that, I noticed that I started to thrive in all areas of my life, personally and professionally, when I did that and when I put that first. So can you talk about that and what advice do you give people to invest in themselves spiritually? Yes, I think, you know, I don't ever want to be intimidating to, you know, people because I work at a church. I've been here 21 years, but, you know, I didn't grow up in church. I mean, we went, we went, but I didn't have a personal relationship. And then um, at 24, I did. And I think uh, my best friend alluded to you, her working at church. It just didn't make sense. That's not who I was. Um, no one in my family was in ministry. Um I ended up on staff here and yeah, that, that's a whole long story. But um, what I love about um, where I work is we're a church for the unchurched and I got it. Like I was a brand new baby Christian. Um, I had young kids. I was like, what am I going to do with them? And I think having the church, having them partner with me as a young parent it made a difference in my children's lives. Are they perfect? No. But have they gone through hard times? Yes. Have I? Yes. And knowing where I can find my true peace and comfort and what really matters, that is a, that is a game changer. It's, you know, when something goes um, wrong or is hard, my first go-to anymore isn't, let me call my girlfriend or my mother. My first go-to is let me hit my knees. Um, and you know, it's in baby steps. Here's what I tell people. It's like, you know, you can start, come, come to a church, find a place that you feel welcome, find a place that you can just sit there and you can learn, find a, a pastor that, um, you, you know, you enjoy listening to just take a step, just start and then continue to grow. I said, community, I think community is the most important thing, no matter where you live, find a group of believers, find where you can learn. And, you know, I lead a group. Um, we've been with this small group now, I think we're on like two and a half years and they keep saying, please don't ever break up our group. We, we love our group. And we are all at different, um, I guess, phases, seasons of where we are spiritually, but there's a place for everybody in that group and find people that you can learn and grow and ask questions. Um, because that, those are your people, someone who they're going to just meet you where you are. And then they're going to guide you through the study or reading your Bible and answer the questions. And you know what? There are times I don't even know the answers, but you know what? We just pray about it. And it's not about knowing the answers. It's about knowing that you can talk to God about anything, anytime. And so that's what we, I teach preschoolers that they can talk to God anytime, anywhere about anything. It's simple. It's basic. And you know what? 
That's what I want adults to know. Like just start having a conversation with him. Just imagine he's sitting in that prayer chair or next to you in the car while you're driving to work and just start talking um, because he's there. He's listening, wants a relationship with you, um, your spiritual life and your faith and how you uh, grow it. There's no timeline. It doesn't have to be fast track. Just go at your pace, but find people that um, can be around you and answer your questions and teach you. And then I, I think being in community with others is going to be what is life-changing. Yeah, that's everything. And in fact, COVID, the best thing that happened was we started a Zoom Bible study on Monday nights and we invite people from all over the world on it. And so mm-hmm. it's super awesome to be able to have different you know, states represented with different people, part of it, we pray for each other. And, you know, something always is coming up, you know, and I don't think I could have gotten through the death of my parents if it wasn't for this Bible study group, you know, it all just happened at the same time. And, and it's so huge. And I I love that you're saying that. So what's the best way for people to find you, Tracy, and, and kind of be involved with some of the things that you're doing? Yes, well, I would say, um, you know, I, uh, if anyone ever has any questions for me or wants to meet, you can email me. Um, it's tracy.stonecheck at northpoint.org. Um, you'll find me at our eight area churches. Um, I, you know, bounce between all eight, but I think the biggest thing I, you know, I want everyone that listens to hear this, um, as we wrap up is that have a plan and find people that are in your corner that are going to cheer you on. Um, and then do the same for others. Uh, let's be, you know, uh, Christians, let's be people who are for other people. Let's, um, especially women, I'm going to say this to women, cause that's who I work with, but, you know, make sure that you tell someone every single day, how amazing they are, be specific about it, write them that note, drop them that, uh, text, encourage them that they're doing important work. And I know that sometimes they're tired and they're busy and maybe there's guilt some days, but, you know, cheer them on. And, and if you're a leader and you lead a team model, what prioritizing what matters most, because it starts with you. Yeah. Everything everything. Tracy, you are amazing. Thank you, Paula, for introducing us. (laughs) I look forward to staying in touch. Yes, me too. Thank you, Tina. Bye, Tracy. Thanks for listening. And don't forget to send us your stories of transformation through www.tinablack.net. If you enjoyed this podcast, be sure to give it a rating and subscribe. See you next time.